0: Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. Most of us do not have an eternal perspective. We have a very temporal perspective. We're just thinking about what's going on in our family, with our finances, you know, in our culture. That's what we're thinking about, right? But the Bible says that we are to see, to look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary, right? But the things that are not seen are eternal. It's telling us we should have an eternal perspective. So I want to talk to you, what does Jesus have to say about heaven and about hell? First, in Matthew 25, in verse 46, he said, And these shall go away to everlasting punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So everlasting punishment, eternal life. Most people believe in heaven, and most people do not believe in hell. But here's what Jesus said. Jesus said both heaven and hell are real, that there is a heaven to gain, And there is a hell to shun or to avoid. And he made this statement, everlasting punishment, eternal life. The word everlasting and the word eternal in the Greek are the exact same word. In other words, Jesus said the length of time that heaven lasts and the length of time that hell lasts are the same. You cannot have an eternal heaven if there's not an eternal hell. Now, this does not excite me. This is, this is literally. This, if there was one doctrine in the Bible I wish was not true, this is it. I wish there was not an eternal hell. But there is. There is. Jesus makes it extremely clear. In Romans chapter 1, it says this. Therefore, God also gave them up to their uncleanness. He gave them up, one translation says, to their desires right? In other words, when people refuse to go God's way, God says, well, then go your way, go your way. And ultimately, everybody gets what, what they really want. We can surrender to God, right? And then we're going to go God's way and receive what he has purchased for us. Or we can go our own way, but it is an eternal separation from God. Uh, most of you have heard Rick Renner speak of. Rick has been here over 30 times as a guest, Greek scholar, and he has been translating the New Testament. He's going to be coming out with his own translation of the New Testament. And uh, here's what he, I've got his copy of second Thessalonians verse, chapter one, verse nine. It says, a verdict will be issued in God's court of law and a sentence will be passed requiring all those who reject the gospel to pay the consequences of eternal destruction. This does not mean they will cease to exist. However, in eternity, they will lose the meaning of existence or the meaning of purpose, right? You see, the Bible tells us in Revelation 4:11, "In for his pleasure you were created." You were created for relationship with God. But if you reject God in eternity, you will be separated from him, right? You, you will be separated from really the meaning or the purpose of your existence. For they will be separated from the presence of the Lord, far removed from his glory. And it will be too late for his mighty strength to reach down to save, rescue, and deliver them. So I want to take us to Luke chapter 16, where Jesus talks more about eternity than any other place. What happens when a person dies? Well, Jesus literally rips back the veil and said, this is what happens. Luke 16, 19, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fared sumptuously or in fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed from the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was the beggar died. It was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom or to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes. He saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom or at his side. And he cried out and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he'd put the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm in torment in these flames. But Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things, likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he's comforted and you're tormented. And besides all this between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you'd send him to my father's house. And he goes on and he says, I have five brothers. And send Lazarus to talk to my brothers, lest they also come to this place of torment. Uh, Let me just say this. No one who has ever experienced hell wants anybody else to be there. But I want you to kind of unpack a little bit of what Jesus said. Let me say, first of all, the rich man did not go to hell because he was rich. And the poor man did not go to heaven because he was poor. In fact, we're going to see very clearly at the end of what Jesus said that there was a rejection of what God had to say and what God wanted to do in the rich man's life, right? So Lazarus died and he's carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. The Bible tells us, 1 Thessalonians 5, that you are three parts. You are a spirit. You have a soul or a mind and you live inside of a body. If Jesus does not come back, every person here, your body will eventually wear out and it's going to die. James chapter two, the last verse says, as the body without the spirit is dead. What death is, is when your body wears out, when your body dies and the real you that lives on the inside, steps out, they took Lazarus and they put him in a pulper's tomb. That's where his body went, but angels carried him. Someday, if Jesus tarries your body, is going to wear out and it's going to die. And when it does, the real you that lives on the inside is going to step out. And angels are going to carry you faster than the speed of light to one of two locations. See, there's either an eternity in God's presence or an eternity separated from him. The rich man also died, the Bible says, and was buried. But in Hades, he lifted up his eyes. They put his body in a pulper's tomb. But the angels carried him, not to Abraham's side, but to a place of torment. And he cried out, and he said, Father Abraham, send Lazarus that he'd put the tip of the finger in water and cool my tongue, because I'm in torment in this flame. Now, listen carefully. His body's in the grave, right? The Bible says so. Jesus said so. But he lifted up his eyes. He saw Lazarus. He recognized him. Let me just tell you something. In eternity, you will recognize people. You will know people. You will know your family. The Bible talks about the patriarch Jacob dying. This is what it says. He was gathered to his people. You caught that? He was gathered to his people. When someone dies, we do a memorial service. And it's a time of grief. It's a time of sorrow because you're not going to see him for a while. But you need to understand that in heaven, there's a party got that? Your relatives that are in heaven, they're waiting. You get there, they're going to go, ah, you made it. We were wondering, (laughs) and we have got some stuff to show you. This is awesome. You are going to be gathered to your people. You're going to be gathered to your people. Heaven is a place of reunion. Heaven is a place of elite company. The Bible says you We'll sit down with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And I'm looking forward to sitting down with Adam. I got some stuff to say to that guy because he messed some stuff up. All right? It's going to be a place of elite company. So he dies, but he lifts up his eyes and he said, "Hey, have have Lazarus put the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in torment in this flame." 1 Corinthians 15, you can look it up later. It says there is a physical or a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. All right. Just like you have a physical body, you have a spiritual body. Right? Let me just give you think about this. God's a spirit. Does God have a body? Go like this. you look really smart. See, God has a body. It's not a physical body, but it's a body. Right. Moses said, God, I want to see your glory. God said, I'm going to put you in this cave and I am put my hand over the entrance of the cave and I will go by and I'll take my hand away and you'll see my back. Does God have a body? Is it a physical body? No. Your spirit has a body. Right? Now, notice he lifted up his eyes and his, he says, hey, just have him put the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Now, listen, if you've got eyes, you've got a head. And if you've got a finger, you've got a hand. And if you've got a hand, you have an arm. The truth is your physical body and your spiritual body look alike. Your spiritual body has two eyes. It has a mouth and it has a tongue and it's got ears and it's got hands. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in fact, let me read this to you. The apostle Paul, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows such a one was caught up to the third heaven. All right. As I mentioned in the last service, uh, to, to understand, look, look, let's put it this way. If, you, if you're Dutch, you do not understand much of the Bible. <laughs> because you can't think like you're Dutch or like you're German or like you're African or Japanese. You've got to think like you're Jewish. All right. To the Jews, there's three heavens. All right? and once you understand this, you go, oh, that's easy. All right? The first heaven you and I would simply call the atmosphere. Birds fly around. Airplanes, atmosphere, heaven number one, right? Heaven number two is outer space, right? The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. How many have seen some of those pictures that these telescopes take of what's out there a hundred million light years away? It declares God's greatness and God's glory, right? But the third heaven is a place where God lives. That's how a, that's how a Jewish person thinks right? So Paul said, I went to the third heaven. It's not like if you're bad, you get to the first heaven. And if you're a little better, you get to the second heaven. And if you're really good, you get to the third heaven. No, 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 no. That's not it at all. There's just one, right? There's just one where God lives. Okay. So he's caught up to the third heaven. Then he says it again. I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. So he goes there and he says, I saw things and I heard things. It is not even lawful for me to talk about. Right. But here's what I want you to notice. He went, but he didn't know if he had his body or not. You would think, well, if you went to Myers without your body, you'd miss it. But you wouldn't. Because you'd be just as much you. Someday when your physical body dies, the real you will step out. And the real you is a spirit and has a body. And you'll look down and you'll go, wow, I wore that one out. All right. James, again, chapter 2, last verse. As the body without the spirit is dead. What is death? It's when your physical body dies and the real you that lives on the inside steps out. Right? That's what death is. I think it's interesting. I, I just read this this week. Right? The number one fear that people have is the fear of public speaking. The second greatest fear is the fear of death. So in other words, at a funeral... They would rather be in the casket than doing the eulogy. That's pretty crazy. That is pretty crazy. But when you understand that death is not the end, see, when your physical body dies, you're simply going to step out of this natural realm into the spiritual realm. And the spiritual realm is not less real. The spiritual realm created the natural realm, it was here before the natural realm ever existed right? So the beggar dies. He's carried by angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, he lifted up his eyes. Now, notice the Bible says in Hades. In fact, he, he says, Abraham, send Lazarus, let him put the tip of his finger in water and send him over to me. Right? Now, there's two places that are mentioned in this story that Jesus tells. And I say story. This is a true story. Jesus tells us the guy's name. This is not a parable. This is something that actually happened. But now Jesus said this. He said, like Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Romans chapter 10. What is it but that he ascended, but that he first descended into the lower parts of the earth? Right? Jesus. How many remember the Apostles' Creed? What does it say? He descended into hell or Hades. All right. When Jesus died, he descended into this place. All right. So in the center of the earth. In fact, we've got a little picture of it here. All right. There are two compartments. One is called Abraham's bosom. And it simply means you have a place next to Abraham. It's also referred to in your Bible as paradise or captivity. Now, the reason it's called captivity is this, because Old Testament saints, when they died, they couldn't go to heaven. You say, why? Because their sins weren't paid for, right? Today, Jesus has paid for your sins, and to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, right? But in the Old Testament, that wasn't true. Your sins weren't paid for. I've used this illustration before, but I remember I was about five years old and uh, the church we went to, everybody wore a suit. And so I was five years old, four or five, and they took me to Robert Hall. How many of you remember Robert Hall down on 28th street? That's where you went to get a suit. So I was five years old and we chose a suit and they kind of okay, take this in, do whatever. And uh, we didn't have enough money to pay for it. And this was before credit cards. And so my parents, I think it was 20 bucks, but my parents gave $10 and Robert Hall kept the suit and they called it layaway. All right. And I don't know if it was three, four weeks later, we had the money and we went back and got my paid for it and got my suit. All right. When people died in the old Testament, God put them on layaway. He hadn't paid for them yet. They couldn't go to heaven, but there was this place. This compartment called paradise, called captivity. Why is it called captivity? Because they're captives. They can't escape to get to heaven because their sins haven't been paid for, All right. So what the Bible tells us is this, in Ephesians chapter 4. When he ascended on high, Jesus, he led captivity captive. Some of your translation says he had a train of captives. Jesus took everybody that was there on next to Abraham, and he took him to heaven, right? And he gave gifts to men. Now, he ascended, verse 9. What does it mean but that he first descended into the lowest parts of the earth, right? He descended. Again, Jesus died, Apostles' Creed, he descended into hell or Hades, right? But he paid for your sin, he defeated death, sin, and the devil, he went over to the righteous side and said, your sins are paid for. Let's go home. And he took everybody. He had a train of captives. And when he arose from the dead, he did not arise alone. Right? Matthew 27. And the graves were open. And many bodies of the saints who'd fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. You see, when God raised Jesus from the dead, he made sure nobody thought he could only do that for Jesus. He didn't just raise Jesus from the dead. He raised many people that had been buried around Jerusalem. Right? The Bible refers to this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 as the first resurrection. And then it says those that are his at his coming. Right? The next resurrection is when Jesus comes back. Right? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says, when Jesus comes back, the dead in Christ will rise first. And then those of us who are alive and remain will be caught up together with the Lord to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall be forever with the Lord. Right now, the Bible. Listen, the Bible refers to this as the resurrection from the dead, because not all the dead get raised. Only those that are in Christ. Right? And then it talks about the resurrection of the dead. Look at Revelation chapter 20. I'm just, we don't have time to go everywhere. At the res- resurrection of, that's all the dead. It says that the grave the gives up. Death and Hades, everybody gives up. The dead that are in them. That's the resurrection of the dead. But there's a resurrection from the dead. And that's when Jesus comes back and he raises the saints. And again, that is referred to in your Bible as the first resurrection. So when someone dies, the spirit leaves the body and instantly you are carried faster than the speed of light. You are carried by angels to one of two locations. Nobody stays and haunts a house. Nobody comes back to pay for their sin. You aren't coming back as a cat or as a cow. Right. If you could pay for your sins, Jesus would never have come to pay for your sin. He said, God, if there's any other way, do it that way. There was no other way. There was no other way. Um, I was reading a magazine that my my wife had on gardening several years ago. And in this gardening magazine, it talked about channeling. And they said, there are people that have died thousands of years ago, and they are ascended masters. And you need to open yourself up and contact them, and they are going to teach you how to live. That's a bunch of baloney. All right? All right? And there are spirits, but they're demon spirits. And the Bible calls them familiar spirits. You'll you'll find the term, familiar spirits. They're referred to as familiar spirits. They're demons, and they're familiar about things about you and about your family. And they'll tell you things that your dead relative knows. And you think, how could anybody else know? Well, demons know. All right? And they will try to deceive you. In fact, the Bible talks about that's what happened to King Saul, right? He thought he was going to go and talk to Samuel, bring him back from the dead and talk to him, right? But the Bible tells us that he died for consulting a medium, one with a familiar spirit, to inquire of it. Who did he inquire of? A familiar spirit, a demon spirit. It was not Samuel, right? Dead people do not talk to you all right? They're either in heaven or they're in this place of torment from which there is no escape, right? Now, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one, who? No one can come to the Father except through me. What Jesus is saying is this, that all the good things that you could do or I could do could never save you. Many people, many Untold, millions of people literally believe that judgment days like this, there's a scale in heaven. And if you have more good works than bad works, you slide into heaven. But if you have more bad works, you're going to slide into hell. Jesus said this, all of your efforts and all your good works can never save you. He said, no one comes to the Father except through me. He said, I came and I paid for your sin. I shed my blood. I died on that cross as a sacrifice to pay for your sin. And I am the only way you can be right with God. Now, in between services, now, I was out in the foyer and somebody came up to me and they said, what about children? And that is a great question. What about children? Right? Rome, I said to him, it says, Romans chapter 7. Right? This is what it says. It says, verses 9. The apostle Paul is speaking. He says, I was alive once without the law. The law came. Sin revived. And I died. Now you notice he said, I died, but he's writing this. How many know he's not dead? All right. So here's what he's saying. When you're born, you have a relationship with God. But some, at some point, the law comes. You understand, I shouldn't do this. And you do it. You choose to rebel. And what Paul said is at that point, My relationship with God died. I died. He didn't die physically, but his relationship with God died. So here's what this means. That children are safe. Children are safe. And I don't know what the age of accountability is. Whether it's six, eight, ten. I don't know. I think it's different with every person. But at some point, people choose to rebel. And at that point, that relationship is broken. All children are safe. They're safe, right? When David's son died, this is what David said. He said, I can't bring him back again. I shall go to him, but he will not return to me, right? When somebody dies, we're going to see him again, but not right away. We're going to see him in heaven, alright You're going to be gathered to your people. Again, it's appointed for a man to die once and after that, the judgment, whether you're poor or rich, educated or illiterate, famous or unknown, death is the great equalizer. And this man, I'm sure he thought he was ready. Right? He had prepared his casket. They had the stone marker ready. Right? He thought, I'm ready for eternity. Right? And people really do think so often when you die, that's the end of the story. But it is not the end of the story. The Bible literally rips back the veil and says, it's not the end. It is the beginning. The Bible says being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes again, just two places to go. But the most horrifying thought I've I've thought about this, I believe that can ever enter the human consciousness is this. I've died and I'm in hell. I've died, and I am in hell. I've gone to hell. All right? I've talked to people, and they said to me, well, i would just soon go to hell. All my friends are going to be there. We're going to party. You would have no idea what you are talking about. Hell is referred to as the bottomless pit. See, what that means is this, that in hell you will continually have the sensation that you're falling, and you will be alone. And Jesus said, The only sound you're ever gonna hear in hell is wailing and weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's not a party. Jesus said, The worm never dies, the fire never goes out. It's a place of torment, of loneliness, of regret, of falling, where you just constantly hear the sound of wailing and weeping and gnashing of teeth. That man thought he was ready. But he woke up, so to speak, to find himself in a place of torment. Every person that's here today, if, if you reject what God says to you about eternity, someday you will be in this place where this man is. He's been there for 2,000 years. But someday you will look back and you will say this. You will say, I had an opportunity that day to change my eternal destiny, right? And it's amazing to me how hard our society is, in our hearts, when it comes to thinking about eternity. We just kind of just laugh it off. Um, many of you know, uh, Jeannie and I lived in Mexico for seven years. A couple of those years, we lived with the Otomi Indians. And uh, we would go out and preach different places. And I remember... Uh, I went to a, a village called Tamala. Now, th- this village is at the, the, the road is literally just gotten there like two months before. Right? Uh, there's no electricity. There's no running water. There's no bathrooms. Right? Um, many of these people have never even seen a light bulb in their life. Right? And we get there. We got a generator. Right? And, and the pastor that I worked with, Bonancio, he's my mentor right? He he had a movie that he just loved. He got it from the Baptist someplace, right? And the name of the movie was The Burning Hell. And he'd always want to show that movie. So he says, oh, show the burning hell tonight. And I said, let's show one of the Jesus. Oh, the burning hell. Okay. So Jeannie had made this big screen. I got this big screen up and and we've got a power generator. I've got speakers. And uh, so we're showing this movie, The Burning Hell. And it's about these two guys that go and see the pastor. And the pastor talks to him about eternity, and they reject him, and they get on their motorcycles, and they're going down the road, and they get in an accident, and both of them end up in hell. And there's the burning, and the demons are chasing them around hell. It's in the movie. And I'm showing this movie in this place. Now, there's probably 500 people in the village, but from the surrounding villages, people have come walking because they 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 heard that we're there. There may be as many as a thousand people. And all of a sudden, this one woman goes, "Ah!" She starts screaming, "I don't want to go to hell!" Ah!" I kid you not. At least 50 more people just start going, Ah! ah! Help! Help!" Ah! i got to stop the movie. Give an altar call. I'm not kidding. Everybody gets saved. (laughs) It's amazing to me how many people today, they will hear this and they'll go, ah, I'll take my chances. Someday, someday, I'll get right with God someday. You know, but the truth is this, that's the devil's favorite word. Someday, tomorrow, we'll do it someday. When, When the plague of frogs comes on Egypt, Moses goes to Pharaoh and Pharaoh says, I want the frogs to leave. And Moses said, well, you may have the privilege of deciding when the frogs leave. This is literally the dumbest verse in the Bible. Pharaoh said tomorrow. He said, I want to sleep with frogs in my bed one more night. I want frogs in my shoes in the morning. I want frogs in my cereal. No, 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 no. The devil will always tell you tomorrow. But the Bible says today. Today is the day of salvation. Now, here's what's interesting. That rich man said, hey, send Lazarus to my brothers. If somebody rises from the dead, they'll believe. And Abraham said to that man, no. He says, but they have Moses and they have the prophets. They've got the Bible. And he said, no, Father Abraham. But if one rises from the dead. And Abraham said, even if one rises from the dead, they won't believe. The reason the rich man is in hell was not because he was rich. The reason he was in hell, because he said no. God's word, God's revelation, God's plan for salvation, I reject it. I'm going my way. When you say no to God, when you say no to his word, when you say no to his way of salvation through Jesus and his blood, you seal your eternity apart from God, apart from God. See, God knew that you and I could not pay for our own sin. Every one of us deserve to go to hell, to be separated from God. But God loved you way too much. And he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus as your substitute. And Jesus went to the cross for you. In fact, if you were the only person that had ever lived, he'd have gone for you. And he shed his blood and paid for your sin. He literally went to hell. Defeated death, sin, the devil, and the grave, and rose again as your substitute for you. To show you and to me, the fact, the Bible says it this way. You were raised because of or when he was justified. All right. The fact that Jesus was raised from the dead means you were justified. He was raised because of your justification or because you were justified. Jesus paid completely for your sin. To be justified means to be made just as if I'd never done it. That's what Jesus did for you and for me. He paid so that when we receive him, surrender to him, receive what he did for us, we're made just as if we had never, ever sinned. Well, why don't you bow your head for a moment? We're surely not. Well, I never get done, so that's all right. <laughs> in a group of this size, there are always people in all kinds of spiritual conditions. There are people here, you have lived for God for decades. There are people that are here that at one time you lived for God, but you've drifted away and you really need to come back home to God. But there's others. You do not know where you stand with God. If I were to say, are you a Christian? You would say, well, I I hope I am. I'm trying to be, I guess I'll find out when I die. The Bible says we've written these things to you that you may know that you have everlasting life see you need to know that you're forgiven know that you're right with God know that you're on your way to heaven and if you don't know you're not where you should be so Romans ten thirteen. I, I prayed this verse 50 years ago and it absolutely changed my life and I want to pray this-, this verse with you today and this is what it says it says whosoever that means you We'll call on the name of the Lord. And we're going to call on his name this morning the way the Bible shows us to. And this is the rest of the verse. We'll be saved. If you will call on his name, the way the Bible tells us, when we say Amen, you're going to be right with God. See, the Bible is telling us you need to surrender your life to Jesus. Give him your heart, give him your life a hundred percent, and receive him as your king as your savior is your lord receive what he did for you on the cross that he shed his blood and paid for your sin not your good works are going to save you but jesus blood when you do that the bible says you will be saved instantly you're forgiven right with god you're on your way to heaven so i'm going to ask everybody to pray this prayer out loud from your heart if you're online i want you to pray this prayer just say repeat this out loud just say oh god I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. Victorious over death, over sin, and over the devil. And I surrender to Jesus. I give him all of my heart, all of my life. I receive him as my king my lord my savior and i'm going to live for him and i thank you you've heard my prayer that my past is gone i'm a part of your kingdom today and forever in jesus name amen thanks for listening we hope you've been encouraged by this message for more information if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community go to reslife.org Follow us on social media or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day and we will see you again soon.